Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Happy Friday. It is May 27th. I can't believe it's almost June. This month has been a crazy one, but it's almost over with. Joining me today, as per usual, Greg Hughes. Well, I shouldn't say as per usual, because sometimes you just like, go other places yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm. I, and Mara Carabello, who's really a stalwart here every That's week. That's right. I'm she dependable. A, dependable. She's the Cal Ripken of podcasts. <laughs> That's what she is. Yes, and we're here on, uh, I guess, the kind of the kickoff to summer, which is Memorial Day weekend, which is an important weekend where I hope we all pause for a moment. Because today is the premiere of Top Gun Maverick. No, okay? that's, that's not why it's such say. an important day. I do want to see that. I am excited about Top Gun. It will save America. You know, it's not a coincidence that when Top Gun first one came out, May of '86, uh, three years later, the Berlin Wall fell. Okay, so. I'm going to tell you. Here's going to be my maverick. You believe they this were This is this will save our country. This is going to save the republic. Yep, they were directly related. Well, here's my maverick fact for the day that I heard this morning. When Kenny Loggins submitted his, there was an open call for the soundtrack. It was in a time where pop stars wanted to do soundtracks, yeah. right. loose everything. So they had a long list of people. And good old Kenny decided that everyone would be going for that opening shot with the, the, the jets on the carrier. Yeah. So he wrote the song that was um, the volleyball scene. playing. So while, while he's most Love famous the scene. For, Playing with the boys. Yeah, yeah. Just that's the one he submitted to get the gig. But Danger Zone's his big song. Though. No, that, that was his breakthrough. That, Greg, that's why this fact is interesting, that he didn't yep. hook with but that's Danger not the, Zone. But that's not the big song in the beginning. Beginning is a guitar solo. Yeah. It's an anthem. I've been listening to it. Really? I interrupted you. You had a big reason why I like the song. No, but I do like talking about happy things, though. No, this is good. I dove into you saw it, actually? I've seen it twice. Oh, the and new gonna, one? Yes, and I'm going to see, see it, it again. Because I thought it came out wow, today. Wow, how's your day job? So, <laughs> I, know. <laughs> I know. No, I saw it late last night, but I, I, I probably shouldn't admit this on a podcast, but my sister called me, and there was a bootleg version. Some nice person in a, with, a, <laughs> with a phone just filmed no. it on, in a theater somewhere. It had Spanish in the front That's beginning like, of it, but it was English. you wanted to watch that? That's like garbage. I, di- I yeah. didn't. I didn't. I just wanted to see how it would start, and then I got sucked in, and I, I stared you at that for two hours. You watched it via an iPhone? I watched, well, I watched it and on I'm my sure iPad. And no, was but with a yeah. dude holding? Via, yes. I'm impressed with his arm strength. And it was, well, I, you know, it didn't move around a lot. I could see people's heads moving by, and I could hear people my laughing from the, from the audience. But That's... I watched the whole thing that way, and I was m- mesmerized. And then I wa- watched it last night. Wow. That was impressive. I actually, I don't go to movies often, I but I really want to go see Top Gun. And I think that might be my Monday activity. I rarely have holidays off, but I forgot about it, and I asked for no, Memorial this is Day a off, big so deal. I'm going to celebrate. You need yeah. to see it. It's brilliant, and it's going to save America. And wow. is, is it on your list for this weekend as well? I feel obliged. I mean, I was excited I to see it. To be honest, I, I hadn't prioritized it. I'm going to San Antonio to see my brother, oh, yeah. and so maybe that will be the activity. Yeah. I know. Um, I think that is a good um, 
I don't know. We need something to raise our spirits right now, but it is Memorial Day weekend, and I'm all for having fun with your family and your friends, but I do think it's important to pause and remember uh, the reason why we have Memorial Day weekend. There's so many families, even just here in the state of Utah, who've uh, paid the ultimate price with their lives and sacrifice um, heading off to war. So hopefully we can all take a moment and remember that. And Oddly enough, uh, it segues into what I want to talk about today, which is the awful shootings that have happened in Texas. And the news conferences, I don't know if you've had time to listen to them today, but I have been sad listening to them, not just because we had an 18-year-old who went in there as a shooter, but I'm feeling sad because I always think about our men and women who choose to serve, whether it's in the military or in the police, as being the people who go in there and they're willing to put their own lives down on the line. And the more I'm hearing, it sounds like that did not happen in Uvalde, Texas. We are learning today. The timeline, depending on who you talk to at this point, is 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, up to an hour and a half, that police waited to go in there. And now we've learned there were 19 police officers in the hall outside the classroom where kids had been shot. And there were kids literally calling on their cell phones, 911, asking and pleading for help. We've seen videos outside the building where parents were just some of them were getting arrested and getting pinned down to the ground because they just wanted to get into the building. And I understand why police should not be letting people into active scenes, but I wanted the police to be acting like the parents where there's nothing that could keep them away from stopping the shooter, and it didn't seem to happen. Uh, Mara, I'm going to start with you on this because um, you're married to a police officer. So have you talked about this at your home? Because there's a lot that goes into it. We can all judge from the outside what happened. Right. I mean, what's hard about this is it made an unbearably tragic situation even more complicated, right? Because now we are in real time questioning the decision making and who did it and even who, which authorities came in. It also increased the... um, rhetoric on the sides it's people had a new round of name calling about whose fault and these really blanket statements about law enforcement and authority and kinds of people and I think on face it appears that there's a lot to criticize so I'm not suggesting that we don't want to go through it and that we don't want to criticize it but it's just one I think in situations like this who we should be most focused on are the families and the victims. And it just is not going to help if we keep headlines. And I mean, I know today we're going to spend a lot of time on guns, but I just don't think the headlines are helping us right now. Yeah, 19 children. Headlines meaning too short of an explanation. I know, and right now we really do have to wait and get more information because I know there's a lot of um, dispatch logs they have to go through and 911 calls to figure out what happened and Mm -hmm. unravel it. It's just... It's frustrating watching from the outside in and just thinking, you know, I'm sure those police officers were trying to follow orders, but oddly enough, I was listening to a podcast that had nothing to do with this today because I was like, I've got to get this out of my brain for a minute. And I was listening to a podcast about uh, a war hero from Afghanistan who went against direct orders and went in and ended up saving 36 Mm -hmm. lives. And I think, you know what, you just wish in stories like this when something horrible happened that you'd have that one person that was like, I'm defying orders, I'm going in, you know. Well, and I will say in our house, these conversations – it has been that it was an unacceptable strategy in response time. So yeah. I, I don't want to say that there's neutrality. Sure. Unacceptably long on the outside of right. the building, unacceptably long yeah. on the inside of the building. Yeah, so, I, you know, I, I thought, and we've actually, there's been a narrative, I think, since Columbine, that, and, and even even with 9-11, after, after Columbine happened in the 90s and we had 9-11, where in these moments of terrorist activity, um, it used to be to try and secure a perimeter, try to negotiate with someone, try to 
understand what they wanted. What do they want? Um, after what happened in the high school in Columbine and after we saw 9-11, there, there seemed to be a lot of discussion. And I'm not a member of law enforcement. And I, I do want to be sensitive to not play Monday morning quarterback too much. But I did believe that uh, more heroics what would be required, that they would follow the gunfire in. Uh, they would act faster than they would in the past because people weren't necessarily wanting anything or wanting to negotiate. And it was carnage that would happen otherwise. And so... In, in any of these circumstances where some someone is deranged or a terrorist attack occurs, just trying to get to the source of it seemed to be the whole crux of what the response should look like. And so to hear that that much time uh, elapsed, it does surprise me to hear that now, given how much we've lived through even just recently. But I'll tell you just as a parent, and, you know, and I love I, – I help uh, our sheriff's association. I love our law enforcement. If I had a, if I had one of my children in that building, I, I would not even have a discussion. If no one was going in for my – going there for my child, I would just go – I would be – I wouldn't – I would try to find a place where I'm not going to be stopped, but I would go in there and try to save my child. I, I, I don't even know – I couldn't stare at a building that my child is inside where no one is – going in helping them i just i would just go in and I, I know that wouldn't help i know that's a problem they tased parents they handcuffed parents i know all that happened but i would have been in the probably making this worse if nothing was happening because i i just would not do anything but try to get to my child i just wouldn't there's no there's no version of me that could sit and watch that building that school and sadly, we've been through this enough times. I think people know that uh, putting up a fight is one of the options. And I think a lot of parents, you could hear the videos out there being like, there's more of us. We could go in there and, you know, right. knock them down. And, you know, some of us may die on the way. So I and guess as Greg said, I think what what strikes us as unacceptable is very sadly in the United States, we're used to this brand of terrorism. I think before it started, you weren't sure. You Most likely you would have attributed it to a hostage situation. Since we, unfortunately, America have undue amounts of mass killings at schools, I think part of it is that we're all like, what are you waiting for? What yeah, yeah, The yeah, best you know what's likely to be happening. Um, it's not you know, it's it's not an unforeseeable event, I and why didn't we respond to it that way? And part of the sad part is, is that you were hearing um, what some of these callers, ten-year-old, you know, elementary right. age callers, were saying, and they know enough from living in the world that we live in that there was kids whispering to the other kids, "Hang up, you'll be heard. They'll shoot us. They'll know we're there." So kids know the protocols to be quiet, to play dead, to stay still, and that's part of the sad part. And I haven't seen. My 16-year-old son since this happened because we're a news family, so we talk about things that happen. And kids, you can't avoid it. I'm sure they're seeing stuff on TikTok. So it's been a couple days since this has happened. I haven't seen my son, and I finally saw him when he came home from school earlier today. And I was heading out the door packing my lunch. And our conversation was, we hope we're never in this situation, but what do you do? You call 911, you turn it down so they can't hear, you know, the dispatcher talking to you, but they can hear what's going on. I'm like... What kind of world do we live in that this is the, you know, packing up your lunchtime conversation and yeah. yet somehow it is. So we have to talk about guns and we talk about guns all too often. The questions now are what, if anything, can we do? Greg, Republicans are always the ones who seem to be reticent to make any changes. Uh, say the Second Amendment stands. Are there things, though, in your mind that could change. Could we do what Derek Kitchen here in Utah says? We're maybe just giving kids a couple years more before their brain cells are, you know, completely developed that we go from 19 to 21 legal age to buy a gun. Is that something that you could accept here in the state of Utah? Well, 
there's two things there. I, I've always found an irony when I was, a, especially when I was a lawmaker, that we define adulthood by 18 in certain circumstances and 21. There's no straight face justification for uh, calling a calling an adult 18 and trying them as an adult at 18 in the court of law, or you know being drafted or serving in the military. But other in, on in other circumstances, 21 is that is that threshold. And the only reason it stays is because 18 to 21-year-olds don't fight hard enough to, to have that changed and make that more consistent. So I find there's, a, there's, a, I, there's just an inconsistency about 18-year-olds and 21-year-olds. Here's, here's my issue about what I saw in Buffalo and also what I saw and what I've been watching outside of San Antonio in Texas. You, they're both 18 years old. Yeah. They're both 18-year-old young men. And I know that there's been different narratives attached to both of these two uh, young men, but I think they're both mentally ill, and I think they they acted in a way that is beyond. Uh, it's just, they're sociopaths, and I think that it's dangerous for us to look at whatever, whether it's white supremacy for the Buffalo kid, and it's the Second Amendment for the kid in Texas. I think we should be talking about an eighteen, eight these eighteen year old boys and what they're doing, and if to your point, we need to look at, you know. Do we have behavioral health? Do we have our arms around it? Do we know what's happened? And even in the last couple of years, um, in people's lives and young people's lives, eighteen-year-olds' lives. When did you know when twenty twenty happened? How old were those two? And not to say every eighteen-year-old is in eight is like these two, but I think the common denominator here in, in in the two tragedies we've seen close back to back aren't right of center issues, be it the fear of white supremacy or the Second Amendment. I think it's the it's the behavioral health or mental health of of young people. I mean, even when I was a kid, you you'd have friends, you could get in fights with your friends, and I mean, you would you'd wrestle, you'd get mad at each other, um, but you were still friends at the end of the day. The the you know, there's a reason why dads can wrestle with their kids; they can show aggression without hatred. And I just worry that in this world we live in right now, that boys aren't feeling that they're not engaging that way we have the kids at home and they're playing video games all day their interaction with other people isn't as much even their ability to to see aggression or or to to have a fight with each other but not have it be you know so in your mind so, this is really a mental health i worry fix, about not a change the laws for yeah, guns. I, i'm not picking i'm not picking a, a a political topic to lay at the feet of these two of this incident i think there's something going on with our young people that I do think is pretty scary. And so that's, that's what I, I, I see more. I see some commonality between two tragedies. I, th- I think Greg and I agree on mental health as a component. I think mental health has been used by the Republicans to take no action because, frankly, you haven't seen Republicans leading reforms in which they want to invest more in mental health. So we've had plenty of opportunities. I would believe that rhetoric a little bit more if I had seen a concerted effort. Now, one thing that should be laid clear in a weapon, I think, um, should never be used is nobody in America wants to see this, right? It's not, <laughs> so So this whole Republicans don't want to help. No, everyone wants to help. I think but, that's the important thing. Right. So we look at the sides, well, well yeah. you just want to slaughter right. children. I don't think anyone but wants that. But we have to start judging actions. And I've, I've become, as you've heard on social so many times, I joined the group that is intolerant of elected officials telling me they're sorry. I, I want them to skip that. I want my pastor to tell me they're sorry. I want a community leader 
leader. I want an anchor person, but I no longer want to hear elected officials telling me they're sorry. They've given that up because they refuse to take actions. And so I do think mental health is a component, but I will not give the Republicans that until I start seeing the investment in it. The other thing we agree well, on. We've done things in the state. I mean, we have the. We have. We've done hotline. incremental we've things. Done, we, and and actually, I'm putting, I'm not just putting this on Republicans. On, in Utah. I'm not saying nationally, but, but in Utah we if, have. If this continues, if, if Republicans continue to want to bifurcate what I think is the main differentiator in America, which is guns, I think the commonality is guns because you have mental illness and poverty and racism in other countries, but they don't have access to guns and they don't have mass shootings like we do on the rate we do. The other thing that Greg and I think agree on is that it is not exclusively but uniquely appears to be a male issue. And so let's give our boys a little more attention. Let's what we know of crimes is that like most violent crimes are committed at like a 98% level of men. Most um gun crimes are in the 90s. There is a relationship between young men and these violent particularly guns if we're on guns, gun related crimes. Once again, we're not giving it the attention and research it deserves. We're wanting to characterize and blame, but we're not. One of the biggest areas of opportunity that I see that I never see spoken of is research. And it's because neither side trusts neutral research. But if we could get the courage to have neutral resources, we know we don't have enough information about guns. I was just reading um, a really in-depth report from January of 2020 from a group of doctors that the catalyst was John Hopkins University that did this. And they aggregated, they argued that one of the benefits is that because we have such a diversity of law in the United States, you can actually say, well, here's the laws and here's the impacts. And with a lot of people point to Chicago because their gun violence is through the roof. They have really strict gun laws, but you could probably go across the border. And you won't see that. And so, and so, and, and we usually entrench ourselves with, um, research as a fighting tool instead of a solution tool, right? So how can we, I would hope that partisanship would allow us to agree on baseline studies, but this group of doctors, and it was a, it was about public health and they aggregated and I'm going to condense like 50 pages into two examples. So don't extrapolate. This is real, but what Greg will pull out of it is that interestingly enough, um, after they saw the reduction in the um, early 2000s, legislation about automated weapons, the years after that interestingly saw a spike. This was a study about mass shootings. I should contextualize it. Guns and mass shootings. Mm -hmm. They saw a little spike in crime. So then one would look and say, see, regulation didn't matter. The other stipulation in some is that they saw a tremendous reduction, a 56% reduction in states that required licensing with a law enforcement agency and or fingerprinting, that they saw just the action of saying, we're not going to restrict, but you have to license your gun, buy and license with a law enforcement agency, 56%. That's what I would bring to the table to argue that licensing, Greg would bring to the table that when this restriction happened, you didn't see violence reduced. My point of that is, until we invest in real data, 
and not stereotypes and not entrenchment of the Second Amendment, which is a political issue. It is not granted by God. It is not a higher power. It is not fundamental to the Constitution. If, if we agree that apparently nothing is settled law, including Roe v. Wade, the definitive opinion, the last definitive opinion by the Supreme Court was in 2008. So I would stipulate that the Second Amendment is not settled law. But before we go there, why don't we try to understand this issue a little better from a data point of view? And there is a lot of data that I think we can look at. And the interesting thing to me is that I think there's a lot of things Republicans and Democrats can agree on. But it seems to me that anytime there's that possibility, there's always a next election. And so nobody wants to you know, put their name on something that could be used against them in their next advertising campaign, which is frustrating because I do think there's things with – whether it's, you know, having to go in and buy a gun and wait 48 hours or, you know, have a mental health clearance or, you know, some of those red flag laws. I think there's some of those things that I don't think it would save the world and change everything because bad guys who want to get guns can. But it might stop a few who planned on it being easy and got them easily that otherwise wouldn't Here, Here's them. where the cynicism is, and Mara mentioned it. Can we get to real data? Can we go upstream and kind of really look at this in a, in a way that we're not inclined to to fall on one side or the other. Here's where I would argue that Republicans become uh, cynical. Uh, There are times where you could ask, say you're in France in 2015 at that concert, where they outlawed guns, they had bombs, they had guns. Of 150 people were murdered in a concert. 350 people were wounded because there was a mass shooting as well as planted bombs. If anyone, and I watched this happen, if anyone drew the observation that this country does not allow guns in any way, shape, or form, and guns were used to murder at a concert 150 people. The reaction was, how dare you politicize this human tragedy? How dare you try to leverage a political point in a moment where we're grieving? If you look at the the congressional baseball, softball game, and the guy that shot Steve Scalise, represent the Cong- yeah. member of Congress, Steve Scalise, and you looked at his writings, he was a he was an ardent leftist or he was ardent Democrat. If you drew the, well, what what was he believing? What political you know information was he hearing that led him to violence, that led him to hate? If you tried to do that, you would be you would be politicizing a tragedy. And how dare you speak of it? But that only works one way. You can't speak of those things or draw any of those conclusions. And I'm like, fair enough. I, I'm, I'm good with that rule. If we don't want to draw conclusions, fine. But what I, where I get cynical is when you see Islamic radicalism or people that are radicalized, it's Islamos, Islamophobia or whatever they want to call it, or you can't speak of what the causes may be here. But miraculously, right of center, we can dive into issues, and then when we when we try to say that Republicans are just white supremacists, and that's this white supremacy is running around, and there's QAnon around every corner, that's where it, it just it, that's where the cynicism goes up. So to the point, Mara, if we wanted to have a real conversation about what's happening, whether it's radicalization of you know Islamic Islamic extremism, if it's white supremacy, if it's what if it's behavioral health, and, and there's kids that are just just becoming, you know, psychotic because of isolation or video games or social media, whatever these issues are, I would love to deep dive upstream and talk about those things. But if all we're going to do is talk about the gun laws at the end of the day, there's too much violence. There's too much, there's too much going on in this world where people are being violent and killing people with, 
without regard to it being in the United States or the Second Amendment. So I, I think there's something going on upstream that we could all look at, but we got to play by the same rules. It's got to be a two-way street those on how numbers, we talk about those things. Those numbers between America and the rest of the world is so disparate, Greg, that you can't make an argument that other countries... But you can't go back, Mark. The problem I have with this conversation is you can't, you can't eliminate the 300 million-plus guns that exist in this country. I'm not asking to. But, That's the, always the argument is but, you think it's a zero-sum game. Every other law. Ban. Here, you, know, you want to have a ban of something. No, I don't, ban, Greg. You ban going forward, do not but you make assumptions about me. Make it Here's what's not true. I'm not afraid of guns. And I don't want to take away guns. I never guns. thought you were afraid no, of No, but that's the trope. The trope is, oh, you must be afraid and you want to take them away. I never said that. But here's the truth of it. The saddest you, you statistic. You're the one that brought up the ban the on assault weapons is, in the 90s. The statistic that is most sad that we're dealing with is less than 1% of gun violence in America is mass shootings. Right. That's so sad. I know. When you look at just the gun shocking violence. This is to we me. Have Four, five people who've been who died because of gun violence in the there small were town. Four of people this in week in Springville yeah, who four died. People, yeah, which is and insane. I mean, so I, I and America is different. I went on an exchange with the Department of State to um, Australia, ten or fifteen years ago. It was terrific. It's something that's really. It, it was it was tremendous that I got asked. It was a group of young political leaders. Most of them were big stinking deals like Greg. So most of them were speakers of the House. It was a Republican Democrat. I was, was coming. It. I was coming from a She's non. Bettering you up. That's right. I was coming from a nonprofit world. I was one of the few people there for nonprofit, and most people were elected and had lofty jobs and a lot to say. Without exception, be it member of parliament, be it um, you know industry. The number one question for this group of Americans was, what the heck is up with your love of guns? One, this is Australians. I mean, they're a penal colony by, you know, birth. And two, what they couldn't get enough of. Enough that on the on the trips afterwards, like this one speaker of the house from a very, she was incredibly powerful. She was getting tired of it. She was just like, why do they want to talk about guns? Uh, we have... A unique relationship with guns. We do. I don't want to get rid of them. But to continue to say that consumer device, we have, when we have a DUI problem, what do we do? We adjust it with laws. And yet what happens is the gun lobby tells you that it won't stop. It's what Heidi said. We, it will not stop. But laws are not about eradicating problems. Laws are about preventing as much as we can. Otherwise, if eradication was the only reason to legislate, we wouldn't have any legislation. I just think there's you, not have, a, you have a greater silver. faith that there's a law you can pass that would change what we saw, and I don't think there is. I, I do. Think the, I, I think, think storage makes a difference. I think storage this. makes a difference. I think registration makes a difference. I Was think background checks makes a difference. What if we had parents have to sign for 18-year-olds that still lived at home? But like you would, like know, an abortion. I've seen people suggest that online. 19-year-olds Greg, do it. You apply, yeah. just, you apply the deterrent theory the go the extra mile theory to any other thing we want to stop, whether it's drunkenness, DUI, whether it's access to drugs, we say, gosh, the harder it is to get. Is there always someone who'll go around laws? But if your criteria is that no one will ever go around a law, then we need to get rid of all of our laws. Every single law in America is broken every it, day. It, but, but, you know, look, alcohol's consumption. I mean, that's something that doesn't stick with you forever. You, you might buy bottles of, of, you know, alcohol, but you're not going to, I mean, you drink it, so it doesn't stay forever. 
but guns are property, and I don't know how you get rid of people's property, and I don't know I'm how not, that changes. But when you ban things, or I when don't you think, say so, you're Mara gonna, doesn't want to get rid of anything. You just want to change. But what things I'm saying is, forward, that if you're right? not getting rid of it, then what are you doing? Because it, they, the, the, they still exist, and I think we're talking about the end result of what these kids are using versus why they're opting to, to get a Craig, gun and do the horrific the, things the they're doing. The dam is broken and the water is flowing. No, I'm saying Let's that not it is, stop it. And I'm saying think, let's put a dam back up again lying, and see if we can stop it. I think it is it. a lie to the American people if you think that the gun itself, if we get some laws and put some laws in place, we're going to prevent these 18-year-old psychotic kids from doing what they're doing. I don't think so. I Here's think you got to figure Greg. out. I would well, take preventing so half of it. Kids? I would take preventing ten percent. I don't need it to be eradicated. I w- I will take any You're staring victory. Staring at the wrong thing, Mara. You're no, staring at the wrong because thing. We've it's, been doing it your way. We have been non-legislative about this for years, and the problem is getting worse. The highest fatalities in guns, if I remember the statistics correctly, were su- sadly suicides, and right. also there's certain zip codes like intense certain zip codes of urban areas like Chicago or something like that, where you're seeing, if you look at the whole, right. all of it, where most of this violence is happening. So it's not something that's happening, you know, sea to shining sea in the same amount of, of severity and everything else. No, but we got to figure out what's wrong. That's causing this where this kind of violence is going access on. Access to guns is what's wrong. No, it's it not. keeps going up nationally. This is interesting. So I haven't had a chance to really dig deep into this, but the CDC over the last few weeks has been rolling out numbers that have kind of been over the pandemic of deaths and whatnot. And in uh, the 18 and under category, the thing that was shocking to me is in 2020, there was like a spike, a significant spike in homicides and suicides. They didn't separate them out in the graph I saw, up 30% just in that one year. And drug overdose spikes up 84%. So we're headed in the wrong direction. And the thing is, is that something has got to give, whether it's the mental health um, access to guns, access to drugs, parents being at home talking to their kids, family values, whatever you want to say is the problem. I mean, we're headed like on a trajectory that if it doesn't get turned around is bad, bad news for our kids. We were well, worried look. during the pandemic about them getting COVID, but at this point, um, it's the least of their it's worries. It's the least if of you, our worries. If we, yeah. if, we, if we went through the exercise Mara described and we went upstream to look at some data without trying to pin it on one side of the aisle or the other. I truly, truly believe that when when school principals are telling us that they are seeing behavioral problems within a half of a school year, that prior to co- the, the pandemic, they didn't see those numbers in an entire school year. I think there's been some unintended consequences with how we ha- handled the pandemic in terms of our, the, our kids' isolation from one another, uh, the communication skills, add on top of that, a, a world that's getting more addicted to or dependent on technology, but there are there are going, there are consequences that we're going to start living through. I, I think sadly, and I I'd like to know how we can change this. But it's it's what's happened to these kids in the time that we've separated ourselves from each other, where isolationism. And I've heard this from the uh, recovery, the addiction and recovery world too, that they're they're going through a lot tougher times in terms of uh, addiction and recovery because. People were separated because people. This isolation didn't wasn't healthy necessarily. So I think, I think we would we're we're missing the mark if we're not staring at some of the things that this country we've lived through as a country that are not related to guns but could have some behavioral health and unhealthy. Let's pretend you're a senator for a second. We're you're both going to be senators oh, coming up for this next. Yeah. Are we federal senators? <laughs> yes, you're going to okay. be not. So state we're not senators. very effective. We so, and we're yeah. older. We're going to be yeah. federal senators. <laughs> yes. 
So let's pretend uh, you're either a senator or you're running for office right now. Uh, we've got Senator Mike Lee running, and uh, we have his opponents and where they stand on the issue right now. We'll talk about that in a second. But if you were running for Senate right now and you knew that you could go and make some legislative change, would you be open to, I believe it's called HR8, which would um, make some changes to um, how you could buy a gun? Would you listen to that? Is there any way that that would be a possibility? Would you pass mental health care reform? Would you probably just fight with people? What would you do if you were in the Senate (laughs) and people were saying, okay, Now's your chance. Let's if do it's, something. I, I, I don't know the federal legislation you're talking about, but if it are red flag laws, here's the challenge with a red flag law. If you can, if, if you can be, um, if your right to purchase a, a, a gun could be taken away on an allegation, not something that's adjudicated or something that has been proven, but on an allegation, um, that can be gamed, and people can, can do that to interrupt your life or to take away your rights because – it, it's not a high bar. You, you have to be careful. It what sounds about right. background checks? That's what HR8 would be. Yeah, it would so, be a so national standard for background I I, checks. I, I went to Cabela's. I bought some gun at the legislature that was some commemorative gun. I don't know. I don't buy a bunch of guns, okay? My gosh, what I had to go through to Cabela's to get this commemorative gun that I bought at the Capitol had some, you know, anniversary to it. I, we have background checks. I mean, I, they were quizzing me about a guy's last name, Hughes, with a totally different social security number and quizzing me about if I'm related to him. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I went through the most thorough examination before I could even get, I didn't even buy the gun at, at Cabela's. I just had to pick it up there. I bought it earlier. So I don't even understand when they say these background checks. I mean, I, I went through a fine tooth comb. I went through what I thought was unreasonable. Um, cause my social security number starts with a one, not a five. So uh, I just felt like that's a lot of scrutiny being paid when I hear that, you know, we have to have background checks. What in the world did I just go through? So I don't know about that, Heidi, but I will tell you this. I wouldn't lie to the American people or I wouldn't even be so aspirational as to let them think I've got I got at, the fing- at my fingertips a law that's going to take this away, the law that's going to make all this better. It's so, Greg, the, I, I, so I, other laws you believe took away problems. You believe every law you passed wholesale addressed Every component of a complex problem. You you said good. Everything we deliver here is a silver bullet. I'm trying and to that's find, what I'm, laws well, do. So what I'm doing, I'm, I'm trying to think of its equivalent or something comparable on, in an honest way, like something Drugs like... Drugs are equivalent. I mean, guns. anything systemic. Homelessness, there's not a single yeah, law to I'm pass. Not, I, guns, not a single law to pass. Um, addictions, not a single law to pass. I mean, water policy, not a single I, law I to just, pass. I don't find them... I can't find the parallel to... to to, to guns, the right to bear arms. I, I don't see the parallel there. I don't. I, I, I'm thinking of one, but I, I'm, I'm trying to think of one. But my premise is I can't a single law never solves an entire complex societal problem. That's not the goal of laws. So where would Senator Mara Carabello go? Let's yeah. say the Democrats so, were willing to back a Democrat one, in the race this year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're running. <laughs> I plan on winning. <laughs> and let's say this happens. Even you though get my, there. You know, the Democrats won't nominate a... Democrat. Yeah, so that's not going to um, happen. <laughs> so I, so uh, I, I think I would start with the lowest common denominator right now, and I think the Democrats are making 
um, the same mistake that the Republicans are making in that they're taking out the rhetoric and they're speaking to an election base and they're vilifying Republicans and they're talking about, you know, no lock them up, get rid of them. Guns are bad. And I think we neither side is seeking any overlap right now or can't. They're, they're feeling politically they can, yeah. but they're feeling politically like they can't. I think some really achievable solutions are serious conversations of research, which I have not heard. I think storage is a legit conversation because I don't know of any responsible gun owner who also doesn't strongly believe in storage. And we don't have universal laws on storage. And why don't we start there? And I also think that there is something to background checks. Now, the problem is the NRA has already walked into background checks, so they've made it sort of not politically viable for Republicans to take that I don't understand how there's not background space. checks. Like, I just got done explaining an That's right. entirely fine-tooth comb though, background check like I went those, through. So I want to – those are three understand. concrete issues we could talk but, about. But, well, can but, I ask you a question on one of yours because I'm very interested no, in wait, your well, one thing that I, that I, I want to criticize you first. Ooh, so okay. um, one <laughs> I'm is used to it. the PBS News Hour asked this question about two hours ago, and it says we asked every – so you can look it up, PBS. News Hour, we asked every senator what action should be taken on guns, and here's what they said. And they said mostly what Greg said. And so, you know, well, it sounds like they're here's smart a Democrat. People. We can't, we cannot accept to do nothing every time it happens. Here's a Democrat. Um, I'm heartbroken. Uh, I'll pray for them. Here's a Republican. We must take meaningful steps to protect our children. Here's a Democrat saying, um, there's common sense actions we can take. Here's our friend Roy Blunt. No family should ever be suffered. Here's my problem with that. None of those are solutions. Well, I gave you those one. Are, there's, I said grab yeah. these 18-year-old boys and see what in the heck's going on in their minds that act this way. But, but Guns like, or white so supremacy you, or whatever, whatever neurotic thing every, is going on in their mind. You want to conscript every 18-year-old and subject them well, to let me ask you this. a on personality your storage, disorder test? Well, let me ask you this. On your gun storage law, how are you enforcing that? Like, okay, it's now a federalized rule law that you now okay. store your gun in a responsible way. I am way. going to How hold you, you to the standards of legislation that you use for every other topic. The amount of laws that are unenforceable that not only Utah passes, but the federal, well, the federal government doesn't pass But when laws. would you even exercise, like, when would you cite someone for this? Like, how would you do, I don't even understand how you would. I don't. I don't even. I don't I, know when I, you would say, "Okay, you did I this." I don't wrong. disagree, but what we do know is that when you put institutional steps in place, people become more earnest about what we're doing. It's why they make you have a driver's and license you can't to do that drive for a car. Kit boys, it, it's it's <laughs> liquor, drugs, automobiles are really good examples of things that we believe have a dangerous consequence if taken to the end. A lot of those things are not worth enforcement, right? It's not like you're going to tell a cop to go shake down half the laws that they're on the No, books. but you can test for but DUI. I mean, you can, there's a way to test to see if they're obeying You can test the law. for gun well, ownership. You, you can you can you test catch for a few here and there though. Yeah. You what? But the point you like, is like with DUI, you I mean, there's a lot of people who drink under the influence and are never caught. Sure, you know, it's sure. kind of like... But they check it. But how do you check gun storage being done legally? How does that happen? You you can require a knowledge base of it. I mean, one of the things that Utah does wrong is we require no familiarity with firearms. And that seems audaciously stupid Don't they have to, to take me. a class? If you uh, get the concealed carry you can permit, sleep you through it. You can... You, you have to technically sit through something. You, you don't you have, have to, to show a proficiency. I, Utah passed some my, law where you don't have to have a cons- class for a concealed carry Yes, you have an you and you have to have no proficiency for proficiency. You I, don't have to I know how to use when a weapon. Con- when I got a concealed carry permit, it was years ago, but yeah. I had to shoot. I shot. You didn't have to. 
You were just lucky. You probably were with Clark Capotion likes everybody to shoot. I'm just saying, Greg, I think they're, I, I don't think they're silver bullets. I, but to continue law to pass the complexity of the problem, then I won't do I anything. I just don't want to overpromise under deliver. I just think it's an overpromise under deliver moment. In the and meantime, I actually think 18 year old boys that are acting this way. Which everybody an excuse for doing better, nothing. No, hear, hear my something. I want to get my I want to get my head around these these young men these eight on in their heads. I want to know what what how, okay I'll play your game. Out. How on earth are you going to do that while respecting people's rights and freedoms? Well, are, are you did, going to insist a, that every eighteen year old? No, the state of Utah put a suicide hotline in place. Then right. we funded it so it was twenty four seven. So you could call it. That's more, an opt in. You know and the effectiveness of that. No, but it, it has been. Ex- I mean, we got the three number prefix from the federal government because it was successful. We showed that it was working. So like that, and yet you're not, not okay with passive gun measures. I'm, I'm not saying it's passive. I just understand it. Tell me the passive. I mean, that's not. I, I mean, What's, that's not saying you have to do something. Would, you don't. Have you to would use support the, a universal background check. That seems I like guess, a no-brainer I mean, I, look, to I, me. I, look, I actually think what I went through in Cabela's was a bit much. I wasn't. I thought it was a bit heavy. I really don't even think. I and mean, this is just my opinion. Just sort of. No listening. offense to Cabela's, by the way. It's just the only place I've ever been. I don't know I've that we have anyone something. running for the U.S. Senate seat in Utah right now who would be willing to change that. No, Maybe we they don't. will be. Mike Lee has pretty much said, "I'm not going to discuss it." Um, Ali Isom and Becky Edwards both gave a statement saying that they would look at it. Yeah. But ultimately, I don't know what they would choose. I don't know either of them well enough, but I kind of think that they wouldn't be, you know, one of the 10 that would have to side with Democrats to do it. Right. And Evan McMullen, I think, is the same. I right. think that he's he's a Republican. Yeah. We and I'm not saying that Republicans can't make that choice or vote that direction, but I don't feel like there's anyone But you're right. On the Utah Everyone ticket. is weighing the political calculus much more than anything else. And, hey, I'm having a hard time blaming it. I don't mean, but, like, the, every response I have heard, with the exception who is the he represented Sandy Brook and he stood up on the floor and was just sort of lost in Connecticut yeah yeah I mean I think he sort of broke through with the exception of that elected official man I'm just telling you I'm tired of the platitudes did that happen in 17 because what there was we had when there was a mass it's been nine years I think since Sandy yeah yeah race because uh, Senator then Representative Mike Kennedy was in the body and he called me on a weekend after there had been a Was a that the Parkland shooting? shooting? Might have been and he said I think we need to do something and we put a group together and we had a press conference and we looked at we talked about the gun laws what what are they we even considered this is where I started to learn more about I didn't know anything about red flag laws I mean intuitively it sounded like if you're a stone cold lunatic you shouldn't have a gun that makes sense to me but then it's all in the details. How do you determine someone's crazy and, and how does that process work? That's why mental health that. isn't the total problem. So, but then the other thing, so there was, there was discussion about the, but there was, a, it was a bipartisan group. We held this press conference. It was in the, the gold room at the Capitol. The other one was working closely with our school districts on its, on its design, on the architecture, on the way to access the schools and how that was happening. And Utah has made some changes. Since and Sandy so Hook, I, yeah. I think there was some work that was done. I, and, you know, I would love to talk to now state Senator Mike Kennedy to, to see how water went, got to the end of the row. Cause I know we put a lot of people around this issue to, to try and find some practical, real, real practical solutions. The problem was but I think to your each point, district no silver bullet, it changed, yeah. you know, it eliminates it, but 
something that could start to be better than what it is right now? I think most Utah schools, at least what I've seen in my kids' schools, and this is in the Jordan District, they change it to a single point of entry where you used to be able to go in from any direction, and they locked the portables, and they made it so... Because you used to have to walk down a couple hallways to get to the front office, and so they changed it where the doors were locked, and to get into the school you had to go specifically through the office. They Visitors didn't have the, to check in. And, yeah, yeah, and they didn't change that in the high school. I know most high schools and junior highs um, have an officer on duty, but I think as we're learning, whether it was Parkland or this shooting this here, shooting. it doesn't always do... Well, it's supposed to. Yeah, good I, to I, have an look, officer there. I, I think we still, at the end of the day, too, I think we have to just, within our communities... Hank, push pause for a second. This thing stopped for no apparent reason. All right, I got it. All right, we took a little pause there for a minute because somehow <laughs> we stopped recording. But, Greg, you were giving us your thoughts on how this is a society. I think social problem. media platforms were trying to censor me just now. But I was saying that, Probably. you know, there's this, there's this saying that government uh, does nothing or it overreacts. Um, if, if everyone's looking for its government, be it a city, county, state, federal government, to solve our problems and solve these issues, I, I think we're missing the mark. We are a community. We are a society. And I think that the societal problems we have – as was said when we were on hit pause, we're the society. We have to talk to each other. We have to. We have churches. We have neighborhoods. We are going to have to look at some of these things and take some responsibility within our families, within our communities, to to try and tra- change the trajectory from what we're seeing. And for me, related to guns, as someone who's done um, gun violence prevention both professionally and then just personally, I think it's us not going guns or no guns. We have to get, I think as we've done today, we've got to start taking it apart a little or we will never get to anything. I mean, I've told you before, the quintessential statement of if I were coaching up a Democrat on what to say on guns goes like this. You're in the audience, you're at a public meeting, and a guy says, so where are you on guns? And I told every candidate I was coaching. You should see her look when you, she plays you, the person where you at all guns. That's right. And I, I'm, I'm a mid, middle-aged white guy, just I in know. case you're wondering. It was very, and, very, it was very convincing. And then I, we coached up and said, just say, I grew up in a house with guns. My point of that is to show the superficiality of the conversation we're having right now. And that until we start breaking it apart and saying, are you for or against, instead of saying, what are all the components we need to understand more? How do we view things differently? How do we get out of our entrenched positions? Because I do think one thing we all agree on is we're in grave danger if we do not change what we're doing right now. Yeah, and I think the problem is having the ability to have civil conversations, look at data, like you said, because no one's willing to do it. Everyone wants to have a soundbite or a talking mm-hmm. point. And I feel like social media has made everything worse in that realm where everyone just wants to have the catchy, nasty thing they say because people will be like, oh, yeah, I can get behind that. But if you look back to our history of when I think, you know, school shootings and mass shootings really came on our radar, it was 1999 in Columbine. And we all sat there, you know, just shocked, looking at our TVs, thinking, how could this happen? And since then, that is really probably the year of the advent of when most of us started, like, hearing about the Internet or using right. the Internet in our lives. Mm. and. Since then, I think the world's changed a lot. It's changed, you know, how we all interact with each other, and certainly it's changed a lot more in the last few years. But socially, I think a lot has changed, and I think that we can all be better. I think when you hear about these shootings, there's always these red flags that we have heard about, and you thought, I wish that school counselor or that somebody in the neighborhood would have called and said, hey, can we check on them? And you can't always arrest someone for saying something stupid or acting weird or whatever. But I do think we can better, as Greg said, maybe look and see if there's people who need to be checked on. When I mean, we don't know a lot about this kid in Texas who dropped out of high school. Um, 
shot his grandma? Did he have parents? Why did he drop out of school? What did they know about him dropping out of school? Obviously, things were not going great in his life, or he wouldn't have dropped well, if, out of school. If we if we look at this as as a community and and not looking at government to because you know government has politics and politics has sides and everything starts to get you know one side versus the other. I think that we get we we don't we I don't even think the conversation is about mass shootings at schools. I think it starts to become, you know, you have homicides in numbers that are unacceptable in urban areas. You have people that are dying of overdoses in numbers that are unacceptable. We have we just have a lot of carnage going on in this in this country and world. And if we start as communities to stare at human suffering and 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 deaths and we look at it and say, we don't want this. We want. We don't want it. We're better than that. We, we, we don't want this. If we look at that, instead of expecting government to somehow come up with the answers for it, I think our shot of getting it better is higher. I agree. But guns do have to be a part of the gun conversation. I know, Mara. <laughs> I know. I, One slice I take of the these, pie. I take these issues with Mara now after <laughs> doing this podcast for a while. I was completely civil. Yes, you were. But I also did not engage at the, the levels I used to on this issue with you. Because well, I'm glad that we had a civil conversation really because mad, I think that's really important fast. that we be an example to others, that you can have yeah. a civil conversation. Mara's living example, you don't need a gun to inflict pain, okay? She just <laughs> gets, right. She'll go right over Turn here. Turn to and, verbal violence. Yeah, she'll that's just right. get mean really all right. quick. I know there's dark things going on in the world right now. I hope we can all be a little piece of the light out there. Go do something nice. Spend time with your family. Be nice to your neighbors. Do what you can. Go see Top Gun if you need to. See that? That's awesome. Or Downton Abbey. Those guns. That's that's sort of Two great choices. Navy knows how to use those guns. Mm Mm-hmm.